We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Eric Roges, and I'm the Executive Pastor. Today, we'll be learning from Mark chapter 9 as we continue in our series, Masterclass. As Jesus' disciples matured, he began to reveal to them the bigger picture of his ministry on earth. He did not come simply to heal ailments and give wise instructions. He came to sacrifice himself for our eternal salvation and the atonement of sins. The fact that the Son of God came to us to die was difficult for his disciples to understand at first. But Jesus' life, teaching, and message made that truth one of hope, direction, and salvation to them as they continued in their ministry. Now, let's open up Scripture to see the bigger picture together. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to everybody watching online, wherever you're joining in from. I pray the Lord will speak to you today. And I'm so excited about today. It's Father's Day, and I love that. So happy Father's Day to all the guys here, all the men in the room who are dads. And this is one of the most underrated and yet important holidays, I think, of all. So uh, thank you, you guys. So. I do love being a dad. I've got three amazing kids that I love, an amazing wife. And so happy Father's Day, you guys here. And also, I just returned from a beach week camp. I was with all the middle school and high school students, and it was incredible. And uh, man, just so thankful. So we had about 330 uh, middle school, high school students and adults there. So it was a lot going on. But man, it was amazing. God's spirit moved and so many lives that were impacted for Christ. And I just love what God's doing in the lives of your students and the lives of this church. It's awesome. And also, welcome back. Man, we're in this incredible series called Masterclass, and I love it. I just get more excited every week as we are unpacking the gospel of Mark and taking a masterclass on Mark. And so we're walking chapter by chapter through the gospel of Mark and just seeing God's word come to life. And so we saw in Mark chapters 1 through 8 already, and in Marks 1 through 7, Jesus is ministering to the Jews, right? And he's revealing, hey, I'm the Messiah. You know, the whole Old Testament here I am, right? You've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been waiting. Here I am, the Son of God. And so all these people are hearing about Jesus and kind of concludes that time in Mark 6 with the feeding of the 5,000 men. So probably 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves, two fish. Incredible miracles, incredible teaching we've been seeing. And then we saw he went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and he goes over to the Gentiles. So over to the Decapolis and he's telling here I am, right? Here I am, Son of God. He concludes that with the feeding of the 4,000 people with, you know, seven loaves and a few small fish. And, and so he's getting the word out. And then we saw last week in Mark chapter 8, after verse 26, he starts to turn his attention just to the disciples. So before it's been all the crowds, all the crowds and all these people. But he says, hey, come follow me. If any of you will deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow me, you want to be my disciple. And so now he's really focusing in on the disciples, preparing them. And we're going to see next week and then the following week in Mark chapter 11, the triumphal entry, Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And so now he's saying, disciples, this is how you're called to live. 
This is how you're called to live. And what a great revelation for us because we are the disciples of Jesus today, right? I mean, Peter, James, John, Matthew, those guys had their day. And now this is our time and our day. And so how are we called to live in Christ? This call to commitment, this call to faith. And I want you to see it today. It's so good. So hopefully you have a Bible. Open with me to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 9. If you need a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Also, if you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and you can see the scripture there. So Mark chapter 9, we're going to pick up here in verse 2. It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. Now, you may remember there's 12 disciples, but Jesus takes like these three, right? He's really pouring into these three. And you think about these guys become the leaders of the early church. So, you know, this is on the job training. He's preparing them, teaching them. He takes them up on this mountain and there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. So these two prophets from the Old Testament, and Moses, right, the lawgiver, Moses, the one who delivered the people out of being slaves in Egypt. And now here's Jesus, the great deliverer. When we were slaves to our sin, he delivers us to freedom. Elijah, Elijah, this prophet of fire, calls down fire, you know, from heaven against the prophets of Baal back in the Old Testament. So the Spirit of God, you see this. They're there talking with Jesus. Jesus in his resurrected body, his heavenly body transfigured before them. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened, okay? So remember, this was written from Peter's perspective. I mean, Peter pours into Mark and says, Mark, write all this down. And so, so Peter's up there on the mountain, and, and so he doesn't know what to say. And I love the Bible's so real, right? I mean, and Peter's like, I was just scared. I didn't know what to say. It was a dumb thing to say, but I didn't know what else. I was just like, this is such a cool moment. This is powerful. Let's just kind of set up a memorial. We'll just build some shelters. We'll stay here. We'll stay on the mountain. And they just ignore him. Then a cloud <laughs> appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Exclamation point. It's like God's going, guys, don't miss him. Listen to what he's telling you. Listen to what he's teaching you. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Right? That was written in the Old Testament. Elijah's going to come first. But here's what Jesus is showing them. Why then is this written? That the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected. He's like, you guys are still looking for a political Messiah. You want me to go in and overthrow the Romans and take all these crowds and lead a revolt. No, the Old Testament says I'm going to suffer. Right? I'm going to die for the sins of the people. I'm going to go to the cross willingly and lay down my life. But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wished, just as written about him. Who's he talking about? John the Baptist, right? The Gospel of Mark opens with John the Baptist prepares the way. And Jesus even said, John's the greatest of all prophets. So Jesus is going, all of this is coming true. Everything you read about in the Old Testament, it's coming true right here, right now. Don't miss it. <laughs> well, when they came to the other disciples, right? They come down off the mountain. The other disciples, the nine are there. 
And they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. You know, so many times in our lives, we have these mountaintop experiences. And like Peter, we just want to stay up on the mountain. We're like, this is so good. But life is lived out in the valley, right? Life is lived out at home and life is lived out at work and life is lived out, you know, and there's arguments that happen. There's discussions that happen. But, but we're not just called to pull out of that. We're called to engage in that. We're called to bring light and love and grace in the middle of that. So here comes Jesus off the mountain. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. So you imagine all of it, Jesus, you know, here he comes. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. <laughs> you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, right, the spirit saw Jesus and immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I'm so thankful for this dad, right? This dad's like, man, my son, look, he's having all these problems, all these issues. I'm going to bring him to Jesus. Jesus, if you can, if you can do anything, if you can, said Jesus. It's kind of like, really? If you can? Hold on, said Jesus. Everything's possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> help me overcome my unbelief. I do, I do, I do. Uh, but but God, help me overcome my unbelief. I love this dad. I mean, he's just so real. I mean, so raw. Here it is. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and then came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. And so you picture this scene, right? All this crowd's gathered around, this dad is bringing his son and he just falls to the ground and he's laying there. And then I love this beautiful moment. <laughs> but Jesus <laughs> took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Jesus healing this boy. Jesus restoring life to this boy. And you imagine his dad just ran and grabbed him, just held on to him and just hugged him. Wow. After this, Jesus had gone indoors and his disciples asked him privately, uh, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Some of the other gospels say by prayer and fasting. See, there's times that we're in the spiritual battle, right? And there's those times that we try to do things on our own. But, but man, that we pray, we go, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. God, I'm going to give it to you. I, I, I'm praying about this situation. It's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. Well, they left that place and passed through Galilee. And Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. So you see in the transition here, now he's pouring into the disciples, right? So he's not telling the crowds where he is. Hey, I'm pouring into them. And he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. He's telling them exactly what's going to happen. He did it in Mark chapter eight, right? He called a shot. He said, hey, we're going to go in Jerusalem. 
the chief priests are going to hand me over, right? And I'll be killed, but after three days, I'll rise. Don't miss this. And they're still thinking political. They're still thinking, you know, he's going to come in and overthrow the, the Romans. And he's going, it's spiritual, guys. It's spiritual. But they did not understand what he meant. And they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum's the hometown. Like Peter, Andrew, these guys grew up here at Capernaum. Remember, Jesus has a lot of ministry here. So they come to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked him, what were you arguing about on the road? So they're walking along the road, right? And, and they're kind of arguing. Now think about this. There's 12 dudes, right? There are 12 guys. And you know they were chirping each other, right? You know, they were just like picking on each other. They were saying things and they were going back and forth. And, and you know, it's just guys, right? And guys giving each other a hard time. And, and he says, hey, what were you arguing about? Now, you know, he already knew, right? He's God, right? But he's like, hey, what are you guys arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. These guys were arguing about who's the greatest. And they're with Jesus, right? But you know, they're over there. You know, Peter, James, and John are like, hey, dudes, can't tell you, but it was really cool. Sorry you didn't get invited. But you know, anyway, I mean, it was really epic, right? You know, and they're just like, come on, man. You know, and so they're, I'm sure they're just going back and forth. And they're arguing about who was the greatest. Well, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He's like, guys, let me just kind of shift your paradigm a little bit. If you're going to follow me, man, it's not about you being the greatest. It's about you serving. It's about you taking care of others. It's about you pouring into others and investing in them. Guys, just kind of get that greatest thing out of your mind, okay? You know, here's the thing about spiritual growth, right? As you become more mature spiritually, we should not become more arrogant. We should become more humble. We should become more kind. We should become more compassionate. That that's what we're called to. And that's what he's trying to teach the disciples. Guys, don't miss this, right? It's countercultural, but this is how I'm calling you to live. And so he took a little child whom he placed among them and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. He's like, you want to do the things of God? You take care of kids. You take care of the least, the last, the lost. You start serving. You start making a difference. You start pouring in. Chapter 9 concludes, he there's a story about one of the disciples sees a guy healing people in the name of Jesus. He's like, hey, you got to stop that. You're not one of us. And Jesus goes, come on. This is how the gospel spreads. You know, there's sister churches in our community. Praise God for what they're doing in the name of Jesus. There's sister churches in the world. we got brothers and sisters in the world. May God continue to bless them and flourish them. And then he says, guys, don't miss this. If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be tied around their neck and thrown in the lake. I mean, guys, you don't want to mess with the things of God. And then he ends in this verse 50. He says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Now, back then, salt was so important. I mean, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers. And so if you're going to preserve something, you need salt. Salt was a preservative, but it also brought flavor. And he goes, don't lose your preservative. Don't lose your flavor. Don't lose the joy in the Lord, right? You're arguing about this. Hey, have salt among yourselves. As disciples, have salt among yourselves. Man, have joy. Preserve the good things, the great things, and be at peace with each other. You guys live at peace. Hey, how will the world know about Jesus? Through his disciples. 
This is the way you're called to live. You are to have this life. You are to have this joy. You are to have this peace. You are to be salt and light in the world today. Wow, this is so good. Okay, all right, if you're taking notes today, here's the things I'd love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide with you, if you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app. But I want you to see these things because it's powerful for us in this master class as disciples of Jesus. First, the best is still to come. Don't miss that. The best of your life is still to come. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them on this high mountain where they were all alone. And he was transfigured, heavenly body, right? Before them, before them. Moses represents the law, okay? Moses is the great lawgiver, right? The Ten Commandments represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. You got all the prophets in the Old Testament. But Jesus is greater. You know, when Peter says, hey, let's make three shelters, God just ignores him. Why? Because he's like, no, that's not the point, Peter. You're missing it. Jesus is greater than the law and the prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus is the one that I want you to listen to, Peter. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about Jesus. All the Old Testament pointing to the Messiah, pointing to Jesus. He's greater than all. And sometimes, you know, there's churches or other, you can go back and just try to live in the Old Testament. We're not called to live in the Old Testament. And we, we learn and we grow. We, we see the re revelation of God's character and nature. But, but we are Christ followers. Hey, Jesus, it's about Jesus, right? Jesus gives us glimpses of the bigger picture to encourage his disciples. Why do he take Peter, James, and John up there? He's like, guys, I just want you to get a glimpse. I, I'm gonna be crucified. I'll be flogged. I mean, it's, 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 it's gonna get ugly for a little bit, okay? But don't get discouraged. There's a bigger picture at work here, right? That's what I want you to know. You know, in your life, God gives you these glimpses sometimes. You know, camp's one of those glimpses, right? We had all these middle school and high school students there, and there was a, a new counselor. It's his first time there. He's a dad, you know, and it was his first time. He's like, wow. He goes, I've never been a part of anything like this, you know? He said, I grew up going to camp. It was like out in the woods, and, you know, it was kind of scary. I was like, but man, here, it's amazing. He goes, this is unbelievable. He goes, he's like, these kids love each other and the teaching and the worship. He goes, this is unbelievable. I'm like, yeah, it's a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. You imagine one day when every tr tongue and tribe and nation comes together. And I mean, how awesome is that going to be? I mean, I think Sundays ought to be like a little glimpse, right? We worship and we're like, oh, I love this. In the Ten Commandments, have you ever thought about this? In the Ten Commandments, right? God says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's like right up there with don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Oh, and remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You're like, really? That's, but why? Because God knows six days a week you're going to get bombarded by the world. You need a little glimpse. You need to be reminded. You need this love, this affirmation, the presence of God right here. I did a wedding a couple of weeks ago. And uh, after the, the wedding ceremony, this couple comes up and, and they were like, hey, um, we just want to say thank you. I go, really? They go, yeah, you know, we've been married about 20 years. And uh, honestly, the, the flame's kind of gone out. And we've been having issues, we've been struggling. But just being here at this wedding and just watching that, and then you were talking about, hey, do the things you did at first. Always remember these things. Always remember that you've made a commitment. And it's not just a feeling. Feelings come and go, but you've made a commitment. And they go, we just needed that. And then we go, we, we really believe that, that maybe the best of our marriage is still to come. I'm like, that's exactly right. The best of your marriage can still be to come. You gotta work together. But man, God gives us these glimpses. Hold on to those when God gives them to you. 
Hold on to those, man. When you see those moments, you're just like, yes, the best is still to be. Look, heaven is more wonderful than we can imagine. A lot of times I think people are scared of heaven because they're like, oh, it's going to be boring, right? I'm like, no, it's not. Here's some cool things, right? They recognized Moses and Elijah and Jesus right there in the resurrected bodies. You're going to know people in heaven. Can you imagine? I mean, you're going to know your great grandparents. You're going to know people that have gone on before us who were Christ followers. You're going to have all the time to spend with them and talk with them. He, Jesus is in his resurrected body. After the resurrection, Jesus walks through this door. You're not bound by time, by space. You know, God's bigger than all that. And so God wants us to know, hey, yeah, we're going to go through struggles. We're going to go through challenges. There's going to be hard things in life. But hold on, I'm working it all out. So focus on Jesus. And don't get distracted by the things of this world. You know, when God spoke, he said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. You know, there's people that I know, and man, they'll listen to like three hours of cable news a night, you know? And I was like, wow, man, that will scare you, you know, after a while, right? I mean, they'll just scroll through social media for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I'm like, okay, it's good to know what's going on in the world, but man, are you listening to Jesus? Right? Do you know what God's calling you? Do you know who he's calling you to be? If you read this, are you, you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you listening to Christian music? What are, what are the things in your life that you're putting into your mind and into your heart? Okay, keep growing in your faith. Guys, keep growing in your faith. I love this dad. You know, it's Father's Day, but I love this dad right here. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You ever been there? All of us have, Right? See, Jesus calls us to a life of faith. And faith means we don't have all the answers. And we love to have all the answers. We, we love to be in control, right? But faith is putting God in control. That's what it is. I mean, right? It's called faith for a reason. I'm trusting God. I'm believing that God can do something great in my life or my family. Listen, everything is possible with God. You know, this guy's like, if you can. And he's like, if I can, right? Right? If I can. Is that, that what you're saying? Everything is possible for the one who believes. You know, in your life, guys, maybe there's something that you're facing and you're just thinking, God, if you can. <laughs> maybe you got a child that's wayward. <laughs> maybe you got somebody living in fear, or living in worry. Maybe there's something that's captured your own heart. And you're just thinking, I can't break this chain. But I want to tell you, you can't, but God can't. You can't, but God can. And God is greater. And whatever it is, man, come before God. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. This is what I love about this dad. The best thing we can do for others is to bring them to Jesus. You, you know, this dad, he comes. He's like, I, I don't know where else, man. I've been to doctors. I've been to all these places. But I need to bring my son to Jesus. And he comes and the disciples came to him and he didn't go, okay, well, I tried and just walked away. You know, sometimes people go, well, you know, I brought my kids to church. And they didn't really like it. So I just, oh, that's it. And it's not going to go. I'm like, really? You know, well, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. God's at work. God, it's a process. God's growing their hearts and growing their lives, right? Continue. Trust. This dad didn't quit. He didn't walk away. He brought his son to Jesus. He watched Jesus do a miracle in his heart, in his life. There's life change right there. Hey, what do you pray for God to do? What miracle would you love to see? Maybe it's in your life. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your kids. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's in your dream. I don't know. 
But I know this, our God is greater. And I know this, our God still does miracles today, today. You know, my dad's one of those miracles. <laughs> my dad grew up in a small town in Mississippi, and, and they didn't really go to church, right? They grew up, their family was Catholic, right? And, and so he grew up, he was, played baseball, he played baseball in college, and, and just really was pretty far from the Lord until he met my mom. And my mom grew up in a great Christian home, and they were always at church, and, and, and my mom just loved Jesus. And so, you know, my dad really wanted to date my mom. My mom was like, nope. You know, you don't love Jesus. You're not walking with the Lord. And my dad's like, well, tell me about Jesus. You know, it's like, you know, because you're cute. You know, so, and, uh, I don't know, it's missionary dating or whatever it is. But, but anyway, my dad started coming to church, right? And he comes to church and he gives his life to Christ. And there was absolute life change in my dad. You know, and when I was born, my dad was walking with the Lord and going to church. And, and I remember probably being about three or four years old. And I, I walked by my dad's room. And my dad was on his knees by his bed. And I just remember walking, and I stopped and I looked. And I said, Dad, what are you doing? And my dad looked up, and he said, I'm praying for you. I'm three or four, I still remember it, right? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I remember there was a time when I was in middle school, and I, I remember telling my dad, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to church. I, you know, I don't know, I don't have these friends as much there and everything like that. And my dad was like, well, as long as you live in this house, we go to church. That's <laughs> just... Now, if you want to move out, you know, you can do that. You're right. I was like, oh, I kind of like our house. I was like, yeah, it's good, you know. But he, my dad was like, no, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is, and I am so thankful. And I know I was squirrely in those middle school years, right? I know, you know, I was up and down. But, but my dad was just like, no, this is important. And praise God. I mean, I developed these great friendships in high school, and it was wonderful. But I watched my dad just keep growing in the Lord. And I remember when I got out, you know, and I was a youth pastor, and, and we needed a 10th grade counselor for camp, and I called my dad. I'm like, Dad, I need you to come to camp and be a counselor. And my dad's like, dude, I'm in my 50s now. You know, he's like, okay, let's go. You know, and so here's my dad with a bunch of students. But my dad just kept growing, and I just thought, you know what, he wasn't perfect, but I'm so thankful that he kept bringing me to Jesus. He just kept bringing me, my sister, my family. Hey, this is important. This is important. What are you praying for God to do? What are you praying for God to do? You know what? Jesus said, hey, this kind can only come out by prayer. What are you praying for? And maybe there's something that seems overwhelming in your life. It's not overwhelming to God. Hmm. It's not overwhelming to him. Look at this. Invest your life in what matters. Guys, invest your life in what matters. He took a little child. <laughs> Those of you who are parents, grandparents, and I mean, placed among them and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Invest in the next generation. Invest in the next generation. I remember seeing a little baby one time and this little baby had a onesie on and the little onesie said, I'm here to replace you. I was like, dude, that's how I Okay, <laughs> like, thanks a lot. Hey, welcome to the world. Yeah. I mean, but you know, here's the thing, right? I mean, they're, they're in our lives, invest in the next generation. Who's going to tell the next generation about Jesus? Who's going to raise them up with character and integrity? Who's going to be the one that points them to the things that really matter in this life? That's what Jesus was saying. Look, don't simply invest your life in the temporary. We can get so caught up in it. Man, all of us, all of us, all of us. But invest your life in the things that are going to last. Jesus said it this way, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. 
But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and thieves do not break in the steel. And I love this part. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, if your treasure is just in the things of this world, you're going to argue about who's the greatest. You're going to want to be the greatest, right? But if your treasure is in the things of God, you're going to bless others. You're going to encourage others. You're going to help others. You're going to pour into them. You know, that's the thing that Jesus is teaching us. Keep the main thing the main thing. (laughs) This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. In a world that seems crazy and out of control, yes, but listen to Jesus. He is with you. He is for you. Invest in what he calls us to. Pour your time, your energy, your passion into the things that are going to last. He says salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, right, you start to get off track. How can you be made salty again? Come back to God. Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Have that joy. Have that preservative. Have that flavor in your life and live at peace with each other. See, live your life for the bigger picture. Live your life for the bigger picture. Don't get so monomaniacal on the things of this world and just think, oh man, this is going to satisfy. This is going to be it because it never does. Look up and listen. Jesus said this way, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He's like, I'll take care of it all. I'll take care of it all. I'll take care of it all. You just put me first. You know, it is Father's Day, right? And for some of you, it's a hard day. And I'm sorry. And maybe you didn't have a great dad growing up. And I know that's hard. I know some people who are still living to please their dad and their dad's passed like years ago. They're still living for that. And I think for all of us, we have to come to this point to realize, man, there is a God who is my heavenly father. And what Jesus shows us, which is so countercultural, right? Because every civilization that's ever existed has had some form of worship. But Jesus comes and he says, you can call God father, Abba, daddy. That's a whole different level. And when you and I begin to realize that we have a heavenly father who loves us, who cares for us, who will provide and protect us, changes everything. Changes everything. When we were at camp this past week, I was telling the students about a, about a young man I met in Moldova named Tudor. And I remember meeting Tudor at this orphanage in Belts, and Tudor was an angry kid. I mean, he was just always mad, always causing trouble. He tried to set one of our leaders' pants on fire. I mean, this is a guy who that's the kind of kid he was, right? You're like, oh, you know, kind of kid, you know? I mean, it was just, that's him. And he was just always mad, always upset, always angry. Well, in ninth grade, you have to leave the orphanage in Moldova. And, and for many of those kids, they have no place to go. And that's when they're susceptible to trafficking or, or being in organized crime. And that's why we, you know, as a church, started Justice and Mercy International, have transitional homes for them to live in. Well, Tudor applied to get into one of the homes, the boys' home, and he was rejected. Our director said, no, you're going to come in, bring dissension. You're angry, but we're not taking you. Well, they sent the bus from Chisinau two and a half hours up to Belts to pick up the kids who made it into the transitional home, and Tudor shows up. And he's got his little plastic bag with all of his worldly possessions, one shirt and a pair of shorts, and what he has on, and he comes to the bus. Well, we had just rented a bus and a bus driver for that day to bring the kids. So the bus driver didn't know, so he's like, oh, come on, get on the bus. And so he gets on the bus. Two and a half hours later, he gets out in Chisinau, and our director's like, why are you here? Right? You didn't make it. And he's like, I got nowhere to go. And she's like, okay, come in. 
Tudor comes in in the ninth grade year and he gives his life to Jesus. And it was a radical change. I mean, all of a sudden he discovered he's got a heavenly father who loves him. And this kid starts to grow. And you watch the change in his life from this anger and just this being mad all the time and frustrated to, wait a minute, there's joy, there's peace, there's hope in my life. In 10th grade, he learns English, right? In 11th grade, he starts going back in the orphanages and telling all these other kids about Jesus. And in 12th grade, you know, he becomes a leader, right, in the whole ministry there in the Boys to Leaders program. He's leading devotionals with these other kids that are coming in. We helped him get some college. And in college, he, he meets one of the girls in our transitional home, Stella. She was an orphan and from a different orphanage. They fall in love and they get married. And then he starts to work for JMI in Moldova. About two years ago, he gets the opportunity to come to the States. And now he lives in Chicago. About a year and a half ago, Tudor became a dad. And I remember talking to him and he says, I want to be the dad to my daughter that I never had. I want her to know love and grace. I want to be that kind of dad. They drove down for our JMI gala, our big gala that we had. And we were talking about missions in this past fall. And we raised thousands, I mean, like 300-something thousand dollars. It was an amazing night. But what the coolest thing was for me to see was Tudor, who's in Chicago. He works on cell towers, installing 5G. He's way up in the air. But that night, he sat down, he wrote a check for $1,000. He said, I want to invest. I want to give back. Because look at all that God's done in my life. You know, in our lives, guys, it's easy to concentrate on what we don't have instead of on what we do. And what we do have, each of you, if you are in Christ, you've got a heavenly father who loves you. You've got a heavenly father who cares about you. And Tudor, realize that. He's living it. And for all of us, man, none of us have a perfect life. All of us have challenges. All of us have things that we've got to overcome. But there's the goodness and the grace of a God who said, I will be with you on the mountaintop and in the valleys. And I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You are my child. Would you live that life of love? Would you say, God, I want my life to count for you. God, everything you've given me is a gift. And God, I give it back. God, I'm yours. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your heart, your life. I don't know the worries or the fears or the struggles, but God does. And maybe today it's a day that of salvation. You go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I've been angry. I've been mad all the time. And today, God, I want that joy. I want that peace. Maybe today is a day when you say, I just want to be baptized. <laughs> I've watched these others taking that step of faith. God, that's me. I need to do that. I want to make that public. Or maybe today, right here by prayer, you want to bring your child to the Lord. You want to bring your family to the Lord. You want to bring your heart and say, God, I give it to you. Everything is possible with you. Everything is possible with you. So Father God, here we are, your disciples. And God, you have an incredible plan for every one of us. God, let us live it. Don't let us miss it, God. Don't let us get caught up in the things of this world and miss you. Don't let us focus on what we don't have. 
We don't think we have enough money. We don't think we have enough prestige. We don't think we have enough, you know, influence. We got whatever it is, God, don't let us think about what we don't have. Let us think about what we do have. A God who loves us with an everlasting love. A God who makes everything possible. A God who can change hearts and lives. A God of healing and hope. So, Father, here we are, your disciples. Let us live out that truth. Let us live out that truth every day in our homes, in our work, in our families, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. We're so glad you listened in on our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. We would love for you to share our content with the people in your life. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a sermon. Be sure to explore other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're so thankful for you listeners. See you next time.